welcome to Beltway Talks, the podcast of the American International Automobile Dealers Association, where we examine the intersection between politics and the automobile retail industry. I'm your host, Hannah Oliver. Today's podcast is brought to you by Kerrigan Advisors, the leading sell site advisor for high-value dealerships. At Kerrigan Advisors, we believe dealerships are too valuable to be sold any other way. Find out more at AIADA.org. We're joined on today's podcast by Aaron Kerrigan, the founder and managing director of Kerrigan Advisors. Aaron is a recognized industry expert on dealership buy-sells, valuation, real estate, and private equity. We're glad to have her join us for this installment of Beltway Talk to discuss the dealership market as it finds itself in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. So thank you for joining me on Beltway Talk today, Aaron. I really appreciate you coming on the phone to talk to dealers. Thank you, Hannah and AIDA, for having me. Our firm really appreciates being an affinity partner. I know that Kerrigan Advisors has been an AIADA affinity partner for about six years. Um, and before we get into the rest of today's discussion, like the Blue Sky Report, can you remind our listeners what it is that you do for dealerships? Sure, of course. So Kerrigan Advisors is a leading thought partner and advisor to auto dealers and some of the most important decisions they make from uh, their growth plans. We have a consulting practice that works with dealers as they think about growing their business. We also have a restructuring uh, services within that consulting practice that can help dealers as they're thinking through um, some of the challenges of today and negotiating with some of those difficult lenders. Um, we're most known for our sell side advisory practice, which is a national practice primarily focused on representing larger transactions throughout the country. We are not a volume firm. We don't have listings, but we do work on a select number of very uh, large transactions ranging from $20 million in size to upwards of um, well north of $150 million. So uh, that is uh, our firm. We are licensed with FINRA, so we can do both asset and stock transactions and uh, we also work on uh, real estate transactions as well on behalf of dealers. Sounds like you guys definitely have your hands full, and we have a lot to talk about today because a lot has definitely changed in the industry in just the last few weeks. Um, but first, before we get on into that, I wanted to ask you about your latest Blue Sky Report, which wrapped up 2019, I believe, and you released in March. Um, what are some of the main takeaways that you saw in the dealership by self space as 2019 ended? Yeah, so uh, 2019 was a really interesting year. It actually got off to sort of a slow start. Uh, to give you an example, the public spending was down 59% on acquisition, so that pretty uh, pretty slow start to the year. However, as uh, as the as interest rates came down with the federal funds rate coming down, and as consumer confidence gained momentum, the buy-sell activity increased tremendously, so much so that the second half of 2019 was actually what we think may be the most active on record, 130 transactions completed in the second half of the year. You really felt this palpable sense of deal momentum at NADA, for instance, which was in the early part of 2020. There was just this tremendous sense of optimism, and a lot of it came from the fact that earnings were really growing at, in auto retail. Last year, earnings were up 4.8% as compared to 2018, and that was the first 
time that in the last three years, four years actually, that we have seen an uptick in industry earnings. And, and with growth in earnings, of course, comes increases in valuation because higher earnings uh, usually result in higher mm-hmm. higher values. So there was uh, 2019 was a, a really turnaround year for the industry in some regards. Uh, there was just tremendous sense of of optimism about about deal activity. Obviously, that's changed a bit here in uh, in going into the second quarter of 2020. Um, and can you? Tell me, I know you mentioned there was um, a lot of dealer optimism, but could you kind of get into how some franchises performed versus others in the buy-sell market at the end of 19? Of course. Uh, so in our in our full-year report of the Blue Sky Report, we do a pretty deep dive into each franchise. And uh, what we found is we continue to see tremendous demand, of course, for the franchises that that won't surprise anyone on the line, Toyota, Honda, Subaru in the mm-hmm. non-luxury and in the luxury segment, Lexus, Mercedes, BMW tend to be the highest. And actually, we did a survey last year, a dealer survey, our first annual survey, and found that that dealers view, and we had over 600 dealers respond to this survey really matched the the demand we see in the marketplace for certain franchises. So dealers reported that they expected the values of Subaru, Toyota, Porsche, Mercedes, Honda, Lexus to increase, and those were some of the most valuable franchises uh, last year. Uh, and then they, they expected some of the other f- uh, franchises to decrease in value, namely uh, Infinity, Nissan, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, and Acura, and and those are franchises we see in in much less demand than we see for those top import franchises. We did see a lot of deal activity, though. I will say in the domestic sector, a domestic mm-hmm. buy sell market share actually reflected the number the its same market share in terms of number of franchises in the industry. So domestics, obviously, they're there are many more, there are thousands more domestic franchises than there are import franchises. And in the last, in 2015, we saw that domestics buy sell market share was very low relative to the number of franchises that existed in the industry. Now their market share is reflective of their franchise market share. So about 56% of buy sells in 2019 uh, were domestic, were, were the Ford, Chevrolet, uh, Buick GMC, and uh, CJDR. Mm-hmm. And about 31% of the uh, transactions were import non-luxury, and 13% were import luxury. In 2015, by contrast, 47% of the buy-sell market was it was import non-luxury. So domestics have really taken share from from the from the import non-luxury, and we think that really is a reflective of domestics have been doing, domestic franchises have been doing very well, and their valuations uh, relative to relative to some of the import franchises are pretty attractive. So on a return on investment standpoint, a lot of buyers were pretty excited about the values mm-hmm. they could get in the domestic side, especially with with the 
significant shift in, in consumer preference for trucks and SUVs and CUVs. And with oil prices on the decline now, on now very much on the decline today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the jury is pretty much out as to what happens for 2020 in, in terms of buy-sell market share, whether this will be sustainable. But I expect you will continue to see a significant number of buy-sells in the, in the domestic side because there are so many franchises and, and there are a lot of families that have owned them a very long time and, and maybe now looking for an exit, especially after this pandemic passes. Okay. Let's move to the current environment in the dealership market, Erin. Um, I know that your firm's mid-March auto retail index noted that it was trading at levels not seen since 2012. Could you tell listeners what you've observed in the weeks since that report came out? Sure. So everyone knows we are in a very volatile stock market, and uh, it was pretty shocking. We did do a a special edition of the Kerrigan Index mid-month. We've never done that because Mm -hmm. we saw the index drop to levels we hadn't seen since 2012. And, And it's pretty shocking that that volatility because keep in mind that the Kerrigan Index, which is comprised of the seven publicly traded auto retail stocks, and it is structured just like the S&P 500 starting back in 2000. So that's the start date when the index is at um, 100. And now um, what you'll see is that the index in 2019 declined 42.9, pardon me, increased 42.9% in 2019. So it was on a tear last year and it was approaching all-time high levels. Uh, In fact, many of the stocks in the index hit all-time highs in 2019. Uh, So Lithia was one of them. Asbury was another that hit all-time highs. And yet into into 2020, shockingly, the index dropped to levels we hadn't seen in in many, many years. Since then, it's rebounded uh, a bit. Uh, back to it's at 416 and at the low mm-hmm. of 2020 it was at 299 so that's that's certainly a nice bump um, but it's hard to say given the volatility of the stock market uh, where it's going to go I will say it's important to keep in mind that what a stock represents so a stock represents the present value of the future expected earnings of a publicly traded company and so when when the stock drops so dramatically, it's it's because the investors, the the buyers of that stock, and remember these are traded thousands of times throughout the day, uh, believe that the future earnings may decline, and therefore the valuation is going down. When it bounces back up, the those those collect the collective thoughts of those investors are that oh maybe I overreacted maybe maybe it will bounce up. So what you're seeing in the stock market and the volatility is is a reflection of the of the unknown as to how auto retail will rebound. There are I think all of us on the line have moments of thinking oh this is we're going to rebound really well, and then there are moments I think where we all think oh maybe not maybe we'll have challenges mm-hmm. with this pandemic for, for much longer than uh, the next months, in which case no one knows what will happen. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's really what we're seeing in the valuations of the public companies. Um, and so, and certainly 
we do focus in on on these valuations because they we they are the largest companies in our industry and they're marked to market every business day so we know exactly how much they're trading at and their valuations are very interesting to us uh, give you a sense the publics are trading at a 6.6 times blue sky multiple at the end of 2019 based on our analysis and mm -hmm. when it hit its lows when they hit their lows in in March on March 20th of 2020 they were trading at a 2.4 times blue sky multiple now that's historical earnings so if earnings come down then the blue sky multiple it's inverse it'll go up because um, right now we're we're benchmarking against higher earnings but nonetheless uh, it gives you a sense of how dramatic the decline was in in the valuation. It sounds like it's been fairly uh, dramatic. Um, I know you talk a lot about the publics, um, but how do you think the current auto retail environment is going to impact smaller family-owned dealerships? So, uh, so that's that's a really excellent question, and we're asked that all the time. And what we find is that our in, our industry is so interesting because. In most industries, the largest public consolidators really drive the pricing for all private businesses in their industry because they're the ones buying the companies and they're setting the valuation. So if their value drops, as, as these companies have, it, it, the, there's a concomitant drop in the private sector of that industry. Our industry is not like that. And the reason is because the publics actually represent a very small percentage of auto retail. They are they represented five percent of the acquisitions in two thousand nineteen, so they are not the major consolidators in auto retail, despite being the largest companies, they're not the most acquisitive. And they are a small percentage of the industry in that they're less than ten percent of of auto retail sales are 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 com are completed by the public companies. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that most of our transactions are private to private, and and most dealers, in our experience, because we are have a very still very fragmented industry with the lion's share of dealerships owned by families, and the average dealer owns two to three dealerships. That it means that valuations in the private sector are not as volatile as you see in the public sector. And that's great news for dealers because what we find is that auto dealers will not sell their dealership if they don't get the valuation they want. They'll just keep their dealership and they'll sustain through so many challenging times of the past and, and certainly in the future. And, and they'll wait for the time to sell their business. And these have been very strong family businesses that families come together and they, they, they pass down the business to the next generation and, and the business model works in that regard. And so we do not expect to see the same decline in value or volatility in valuation in the private sector as we have seen in the public sector as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. Now, that being said, we do expect to see some distressed transactions and even some, unfortunately, some closures of dealerships as we saw in the Great Recession. So mm -hmm. we do expect to see some of those uh, situations occur. But 
we don't see that as a reflection of the value. Those are unique transactions, and those are not they're not the representative of the industry. Those are those are more as we see it one-offs relative to the 17,000 dealerships in in the in the industry. There, we don't expect to see such a significant number have distressed or closed as to derive valuation. Okay. Um, so moving on just a little bit, I know that Asbury Automotive called off its rather large acquisition of, I believe it was 10 luxury dealerships in Dallas a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that this is a precursor to what the head for dealers in the dealership market? I think you kind of touched on this a minute ago, but just for dealers who observed that, what is, what do you think this means, if anything? So, I, you know, that was obviously really an unfortunate uh, situation. And, uh, you know, going into that transaction, and, and frankly, if you read our report, we, we thought 2020 would be a tremendous buy-sell year in part because – of Asbury's impressive move to make that a large billion dollar acquisition. Unfortunately, the timing of no fault of anyone that because of the pandemic, Asbury's stock price at one point was below billion dollars for the first time since I think 2013. So they it would be very difficult to justify a an acquisition that was larger than your own valuation. And so that was a very unfortunate. I do not think, though, that this is a precursor to to fewer transactions. In fact, what I truly believe is that we're going to get through this you know, stay-at-home order, and uh, and I think that coming out of this crisis, auto retail will do exactly what it did out of the Great Recession, which is be the the leading industry out of the recession. And part of that is because we are such an important industry to the American economy. We have what we employ 1.1 million people. We're 20% of all retail jobs. And if you include that also the auto retail, the auto manufacturers and all the people they employ, it is, it is imperative that, that the auto industry restart and restart with a vengeance. And we're very sensitive to the credit markets. And what I'm saying is that unlike in the Great Recession, where it took about a year for Congress to get together to get incentives in place and things going to to restart the American economy, in this case, TALF was restarted in weeks. And we have trillions of dollars that are out there to support the Fed is supporting the the credit markets and also uh, consumers, and then we have very low interest rates. So, I I expect because we are so sensitive to the financial markets and because the financial markets are being so well supported by the government that we will be a leading uh, beacon of light in this as we get out of this uh, this recession. And and it's important for everyone to remember that by 2010, the average dealer had increased their earnings to $870,000, while unemployment was still at 10% at that point, and the SAR was only at $12 million. Uh, and yet the average dealer was earning 31% return on equity. And that's that snapshot is exactly why auto retail is such an attractive industry to invest in. So the reason I don't think there's the, the, the Asbury Park Place transaction um, 
being terminated is a reflection of what we're going to see in the future is because I actually am finding at our firm that we have we have more buyer interest than we've than we've had ever. We are having calls. People are calling us to see how they can get into the industry. Um, private buyers are anxious to grow. So I, I think you're going to see a tremendous amount of buy-sell activity on the other side of this of this crisis. And I think it could it, we could see consolidation go into super drive mode. And uh, and it, it could be a very exciting time. I mean, to give you a sense, one of the trends that we talked about in the Blue Sky Report was that more professionally managed capital, so family offices, high net worth individuals, even some private equity, uh, will get into this industry and and back successful dealers to grow and create new groups in the private side of the equation. And that is definitely playing out in the, the number of phone calls and number of discussions we've had since the pandemic started is is actually increased by many fold. So we're, we believe that we're going to see a lot of activity coming out of this crisis. Well, that is certainly um, optimistic, I would say. Um, how how is this whole pandemic impacting blue sky values overall in your estimation? So, um, you know, our view right now on valuation is that we see today's times in which dealerships are not really operational as effectively a one-time adjustment. So we do not believe dealerships are going to be valued based on no, you know, being closed or not selling cars. We believe the valuations will be uh, buyers will look to how the dealership performed before the crisis. And I'd like to point out that going into going into March, our industry's earnings were up 38 percent, and we were approaching 2015 high highs. So we were in a very strong position before the pandemic broke out. So I, I think that buyers are going to look at earnings before, and then they're going to project earnings going forward. And that, of course, is very difficult to do until we see some indication of how the consumer is going to come out of this on the other side and also what the government's going to do, which I expect they will do quite a bit. But I, uh, So for now, I, I believe that as I said before, dealers are just not selling. So when when situations like this happen, the market just flows. So we estimate that the buy sell market will decline by 50% in 2020 because no, there's just going to be no transactions. But that's because valuations are sticky in our industry, and no one's going to drop their valuation. And and the buyers will want to get a sense as to where we're going to be on the other side before they jump in. Now. I'll just say one other point on that is that for the top, top franchises, those that there are very few of uh, or those that have that are just have such strong business models like a Toyota where you have, you know, the average Toyota store has 27,000 UIOs in the market um, or Honda 21,000. So the most, uh, uh, it, those two are the, the highest followed by Lexus. I mean, those kind of franchises where you don't, where, where the sustainability of the business model is so strong, I think that those valuations and those transactions may occur sooner because those those values are just so so 
so predictable uh, in terms of just the, the strength of the service department and and the the strength of the the overall dynamics of of how much market share those franchises have. So I think those valuations will be the stickiest of all, and 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 will you won't see any decline in those in the top franchises' values coming out of this uh, pandemic. Well, that's really helpful, Erin. Um, I know that you mentioned during a previous podcast that you did with me that you guys typically see a six-month lag time in buy-sell trends. Um, so with that in mind, do you think we're going to need to wait several months before fully assessing the impact of this pandemic on dealerships? Uh, so, so we in our we did a webinar for dealers on how we think the pandemic is going to affect the the buy sell market and 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 our overall view is that from as soon as it started until we see a peak in cases we're not going to see much of any activity. So let's just say that's sometime April, May. As mm -hmm. the cases decline, we expect we will we'll see some distressed transactions uh, after, as the cases decline because those are going to be ones that have to get done. And let's say, assuming we're, we're starting to really open up the economy again in the summer, we believe in the summer you're going to start seeing all those transactions that were put on hold where someone said, okay, let's just put a pin in this transaction because we don't know what's going on now. We think those ones will re-engage re and some will close and some will not because sometimes buyers are going to want to change in price and seller will not accept. But So we think those ones will be the first ones to start closing and those ones will already have a running start because they were in the midst of being done when this all broke out. We think you'll see those ones start to close in the summer into fall timeframe. At that same time as hopefully things, the economy starts picking up again, we think that you'll see those sellers that feel strong and confident about their valuation start to come to market in the second half. And the fall will be an active deal making time. Uh, you'll see some closings at the end of 2020. And we think the first quarter and the second quarter of 2021 could be tremendously active in terms of the number of transactions closing. Well, Erin, you've been incredibly insightful. Um, just before we wrap up, is there anything that we missed that you want to note for Beltway Talk listeners? You know, I, I just, I, I guess I would just reiterate that auto retail is is bigger than the new car department. I think everyone seems to oftentimes focus so much in on where the SAR is going to be, but we we were very we were making a lot of money when the SAR was still pretty low coming out of the Great Recession, and so even if the SAR is impacted for some time, I do expect that we are going to be a leaner and more productive industry coming out of this really unforeseen crisis that we are all living through and i think we are going to be a much much more profitable industry at, at coming out of this and and that's actually really really a positive as as difficult it all as all this is of course uh it, i think that that is the one silver lining that we will be a, a, a just a much more efficient productive and profitable industry 
as a result of, of the pain that unfortunately we're all suffering right now. Well, great. Thank you so much for joining Beltway Talk today, Erin. Um, your insight is really appreciated. And I think we will look forward to having you on probably again in the next few months where we can kind of catch up on what's been going on since, since this podcast. Okay, Hannah. Well, again, please, everyone on the line, stay safe and healthy. And um, everyone in our industry is really in our thoughts and prayers during this challenging time. Thanks again to Erin for joining us on Beltway Talk. And to you listeners, thank you for tuning in. For more coronavirus resources for your business, including AIADA's special COVID-19 webinar series, you can check out AIADA.org slash coronavirus. Join us again next time for Beltway Talk.